on today's episode. Psalm 90, he says, teach us to number our days in such a way um, that we bring a heart of wisdom, or teach us to number our days aright. And that really, I think, is an important thing here, just to to recognize that God is the one who knows the number of our days, and um, he's got it all figured out. We we, we can trust him for that. And so we want to number our own days in a sense of, okay, what's really important? If God gives me a quote-unquote extra you know, 20 years of life, you know, beyond what I expected, beyond what others expected for me. What am I going to do with those? Am, am I going to use those selfishly for my own ends, or am I going to use those for the things that God has given me to do? Welcome to the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. People today face many opportunities and struggles when it comes to issues of life and death, marriage and family, health and science. We're here to bring a fresh biblical perspective to these issues and more. Join us now for Life Challenges. Hi, and welcome back. I'm Krista Potratz, and I'm here today with Pastors Bob Fleischman and Jeff Samuelson. And today we're going to talk about life expectancy and longevity. Over the years, life expectancy has has changed. It seems that we're living longer and we have more tools at our disposal with modern medicine and everything. Why would we want to talk about life expectancy and, and anyway as Christians? Yeah, well no, that that, that is a r- really good question. It's um, you know, one of those things that you don't normally think about that much, uh, but when you do, you're thinking of it more in terms of your own life or the life of your loved ones, the people that you you want to to stick around longer. But when we take it as a, a whole, you know, we talk about the national averages or international averages for life expectancy. It's a measure for us of health. It's a measure for us of um, human flourishing. And that's when uh, God created the world and told man to build the earth and, and be fruitful and multiply. You know, to a certain extent, we can say we're, we're all interested in human flourishing. And you know, as I said, that uh, life expectancy is is something of a measure of that. But I think you know, the main reason people are interested in it is because it's like, oh, well, does this mean I'm going to live longer? And maybe that's uh, attractive to you because you think, oh, well, that means I'll have so much more time to do my stuff. Maybe it's less attractive because you're like, I don't particularly like my life right now. I'd rather be in heaven. Very often it comes to, well, I, I really want my grandma to be around or I, I, I want my mom and dad to be healthy enough so they can, they can be around to watch my kids grow up. And so we're interested in this in terms of the, the personal advantage we, we can get from it. You know, oftentimes, in, in the morning breakfast, when I do my reading of some of the newspapers, I go through the obituaries. And you go through the obituaries because, first of all, sometimes, especially the local obituaries, if they're on the database, you know, there's a way to remove them from the database if somebody has died. But you find yourself, as you get older, starting to pay more attention to the age. Oh, she lived to be 98 years old. Wow, 98. I'm 66. Oh, I got 22 more years yet, you know, or, or 30, no, 30. <laughs> I have thirty-two. More. I just won't be yeah. doing the math real well in the last ten years. But the uh, but but you know you think you you think you've got more years and and it it's interesting because we become minded towards that here Washington County where we live. They um, they had a lady who uh, I think she's the oldest lady in the county, and so the executive administrator for the county presented her with a plaque and it made the front page of the uh, Washington County News. And we 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 really we see that as accomplishment. 
And I do think it's important for our listeners to understand when we talk about life expectancy, that oftentimes what you read in the paper is they'll talk about the average life expectancy is lost a half a year or it it extended a year. And we're not talking about life at its top limit. They're talking about the average life expectancy. And during the pandemic, there were many additional deaths in the United States. So it brought that average down. And so they'll say the anticipated life expectancy of somebody who's born today would be 78 or something like that. Yeah, roughly what is it at now in the in the U.S. or other countries? I believe the most recent data is the 76.1 years is the average U.S. life expectancy, and that, that went down from uh, 77.0, just over a year, and it's largely COVID-related. Not not just people dying from COVID, but the things that the pandemic made worse, uh, like uh, drug abuse deaths and things like that. And you alluded a little bit to the change, how that it seems to fluctuate now. Is that a lot longer than it was a hundred plus years ago? Even in, and I'm I'm not remembering the exact figures, but I believe it was 1950. The average life expectancy in the U.S. was down in the 60s, like 68 or something like that. And that reflects, again, lots of people dying younger back then, and that skewed skews the average down. So there have been some some uh, huge advances made. But again, it, it hasn't been advances in terms necessarily in terms of, well, we're making sure everybody lives longer. It's we're taking care of maternal deaths. We're taking care of children who die in infancy or, or childhood. We're eliminating those diseases that were killing them then. And so that, that those, those those children then are able to grow up and live longer lives. So is there talk, and I know, Bob, you just with the, the futurist Thomas Fry that we have had on the podcast, is there talk about like in the future, how long we could be expected to live or just how we can increase life and expectancy? Well, there's, there is this dream of being able to do it. They, they feel that there are things called telomeres that are on the end of the DNA that shorten as you get older. And so they they feel that by identifying them, uh, that they could perhaps prevent them from shortening. And this is going to then extend everyone's life. That's the working theory. I've yet to see anything of any real substance, but futurists like to talk about that with with great excitement. The other thing, just kind of following up a little bit on what Jeff has said, if you look at 1900, I think the average life expectancy in the United States was 49, which is which is really something, you know, when you consider that we we know people who are twice that old, you know, that but that was the life, average life expectancy. Now, the reason it's significant is when I travel around the United States and I get there early, a lot of our churches, especially our country churches, have cemeteries. And so if I get there too early and the door's not unlocked and that's not in the middle of a snowstorm. I'll be out walking around the cemetery, and you'll see people who will die like in 1915, the old churches, the old cemeteries, and they were 89, 91, 78. In other words, it's you see a lot of the same dates. But if you go to the back of the cemetery, that's oftentimes where they buried the children. And you would see two months, two days. And, of course, when you add that into the mix when you're talking about life expectancy— you can have people living to be in their 80s or 90s, but you have them dying just shortly after birth, and it just brings it way down. 
And that's what was going on. Now, uh, Jeff is correct. Everything I'd read said that pregnancy and children's deaths pretty much were the big killers. I mean, there were your pandemics, there were your, your flus and black death, things like, like that, that took a lot of lives. But oftentimes, the great strides that has helped increase life expectancy is treating childhood illnesses and treating pregnant mothers and going, getting them through delivery. And that has made the, the greatest influence. And part of the suggestion why the life expectancy rate is down a little bit now, and they think it's going to be down for a bit, is because a number of children were not vaccinated against a lot of the maladies that were taking children when they were young. Measles was a problem during pregnancy and and right after birth and other other conditions uh, that were a problem. And so they're expecting that that's going to be down for a while until that uh, people get vaccinated again against those conditions. Yeah, I, I wish I could remember where I had seen this so that I could get the actual details of it right. But um, I, I remember reading some years ago that for thousands of years, if you lived, I think it was to the age of 28 or something like that, if you made it to 28, chances were really good you'd live to 70 or 80. Oh, wow. I've read that too. Yeah. And it was just because most of the things that would kill you would have killed you by that time. And if you managed to survive that long, just, you know, odds are those things aren't, weren't going to kill you and you'd live a much longer life. And which is why you'd have in every village or community or town or whatever, you'd have some quite old people living there, but um, they'd be fairly rare uh, because, you know, not because nobody lives that long. It's just because so many people died young. And and again, the reason I because I've read those those statistics too, but part of that is is that there are children who will get a disease and develop a natural immunity. There are other children who will get the disease who do not have enough natural immunity and die from it. And so that that's why like they said if you got to like you said I, it's like twenty six twenty eight something like that. It was under thirty, but it but everything looked really rosy once you got to that point, and but that the body would begin to start having these natural immunities. Sadly, a number of people didn't have them, so they didn't make it that long. So the research that's going on today in longevity is trying to uh, raise that higher end. So what is the high end at now? And is there a natural cap of really how long or what that, what that high end is? Well, most of what I've read has suggested that uh, 120 is about what people think is is the cap. There's there's been talk of maybe pushing it to 150 if they can manage to make this advance or that advance, but it really does seem to be that the roughly 120 is the the max. Uh, that we'd be able to advance human life to. Uh, part of that is because the people in modern history that we know have lived really long lives. Most of them don't get much beyond 120. And part of it is just that it seems that the body stops being able to um, to correct itself and, and heal itself after a certain point. I always remember when um, Hal Roach, who did the Little Rascals, black and white series, children's series, when he was turned 100, he he made the quote, which I've seen quoted by others too. He, you know, he said, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. It, it's kind of a funny statement because you think already you've made it to 100. That's pretty good. And 
But I think the oldest, like in modern times, I thought I read that the oldest lady was like 126. It was a French woman that lived to be 126. Extremely rare, over 120, but 120 seems to be it. And prior to coming on to the podcast when we were just chit-chatting among ourselves, we talk about the idea, and this is probably more more my idea than than others, but you know, in the in the story of Genesis, there's some de- debate about the reference to 120 years. Was it 120 years until God was going to bring the flood, or was 120 years kind of the natural max for people living? And you know, I had proposed uh, to to the CLR National Board that it might be the latter. It might be uh, kind of a natural limit to what you can do, and it has to do with the research that was done on what was called the Hayflick limit, which is how many times cells can regenerate before they just kind of peter out and die. And it's between 50 and 54 times. And that cycle, when you when you time out that cycle, it kind of comes out to right about 120 years. And so I, a lot of times I, I'm, I'm a big advocate. Maybe, you know, don't keep trying to stretch that top end. Let's devote that those resources to helping the younger end. But a lot of the research that I've read on longevity will say that they discovered things in researching younger, you know, diseases, and then they say, but it might, it might help us live longer. You know, in other words, that it it, it seems to retain a telomeres uh, at the end of the DNA or something like that. So, so I don't know how much in terms of resources are being expended to try to break the hundred and twenty year limit. Uh, personally, I, I I wouldn't think it would be good steward uh, stewardship. I'd rather see those resources used to fight cancer, childhood disease, and so forth. Yeah. question that I had, too, was just as Christians, then, how should we look at life expectancy? Do we look at it as something, oh, yeah, we want to try to get everybody in the world to like live as long as they possibly can? And if 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 that is our goal, does that ever become too much? I mean, what how how should we be viewing this as Christians? Well, a lot depends on whether you're looking at it in terms of your own life and your own aims, or whether you're looking at other people's lives. But you have to be a good steward of your own body, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, if 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 you're thinking, oh, "Well, I'm going to extend my life," if if that's really rooted in a basically a sinful desire to take control of your life away from God and say, "Ha ha ha, I'm going to prove that I'm something by by living this this long or whatever," um, okay, that's not coming from the right right heart uh for that but if you're looking at uh, at it in terms of yeah i'm going to be a good steward of my health and my life uh, bob's bob's story about the guy you know living to 100 and saying you know i should have taken better care of myself i mean if you live to 75 or 80 you want to be a healthy 75 or 80 rather than one that is stuck in a nursing home can't get out of bed uh struggles to breathe or whatever you know so you want to be a good steward of your your health and your life and whether that means that you live to 70 or live to 89 or or whatever, you want to take care of that. I suppose as Christians, we, we have a general interest in extending life expectancy just because we want people who have not yet heard of Jesus to live as long as they can to have the maximum opportunity to, to hear of and, and believe, believe in Jesus. But that's, uh, that doesn't guide a whole lot of policy, so to speak, but it is just something that we think, well, yeah, it's, it's a good thing if they live long enough to hear more about, about their Savior. Somebody once said that uh, death is not an option, it's a feature of the human 
species, and it's the feature is the result of sin, that everyone will die. And so if our pursuit of this fountain of youth becomes rooted in the idea that uh, it is an outright challenge to God, we're just going to have problems. The motive is wrong, therefore all the action will be wrong. But really, I, th- I think of all of the classmates, and I read an obituary for a classmate of mine, a high school classmate of mine, who died, and he died of um, lung cancer. And I remember talking with him in high school and the bad habits he had and this rather flippant idea, well, we're all going to die of something, so forth. And I am positive that he never gave a moment's thought to how miserable his last few years were because of his the lung cancer and the emphysema that he had with it. Your Your life, your approach to longevity should always be one of stewardship. You know, in other words, God has given me this blessing called life. My goal is, is to to not only care for it, but to care for it with a clear understanding of what my mission is. And my mission is to love God and to love others. So I take care of my life in order to do that. So I, I always have a problem with people who undertake reckless and damaging sports activities because it's it's adventurous. It's yeah, okay, well, until you get hurt. And then when you get hurt, how are you going to help others? How are you going to get the message of the gospel out to others? But Christians, I think it's very important for Christians to remember what what your purpose in life is, why you are here. And then you pursue these longevity measures. To do that with the idea, well, the idea of like Esther said in, in the book of Esther, and if I perish, I perish. I mean, it, I, I, I'm going to make all the right decisions. I, I always liken that story of Esther where she first of all says, I need you and all the people to to do the sackcloth and ashes thing, and we're going to do that with my, my, my staff, which is basically saying we're going to be devoting prayer to this. We're going to be talking to God. We're going to be taking this on. And— uh, uh, and if I perish, I perish. And if we approach longevity, like, for for example, clinical trials and cancer and all that kind of stuff, you, you pursue that. Why do you pursue that? Because you're you're trying to, you know, approach longevity, but it's part of being a steward. And if it works, great. More time to talk about Jesus, more time to show love to others. And if I perish, I perish. Because God says I win anyways. That is uh, really kind of the point, too, is that as Christians, we have so much to look forward to as well in in death. And um, just from this pure worldly view, um, I mean, there's just been so many books and stories and movies on the fountain of youth or just this idea of not dying or living, outliving so many generations of people or even just um, some of those movies where the person was maybe going to die, but then they freeze them and then they come back later. And just, I I mean, it kind of makes your imagination go. But you can just see that when when you don't have heaven to look forward to or you don't have God and, or, and that this world is all there is, then you're just really clinging to the things of this world. And that's just, I, I don't know, something you just really see in the the secular culture. Well, and cryopreservation is kind of the big deal when you you want to just before you die, you want to be preserved so that you can be thawed out later when they have found a cure and do it. I had a, a friend of mine uh, 
working in the Hollywood industry told me, you know, he said, Bob, you know, I'm going to, I've signed up for it. You know, it's, it's here and he was telling me what it costs and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, you're just assuming that anybody even wants to thaw you out when the time comes. You know, it, I said, but part of it, it, it just comes with the hopelessness of, of living for this world. Because you think, I, and I, I would tell him, I said, what do you think the world's going to look like? You know, let's just say this all worked. Which, well, it might. Let's just say it all worked. I said. So you you come back. You know, it's it's a hundred years from now. I said, think about it. Everybody you knew is gone. Everything, the values that that you hold true. Like for example, let's just say, you know, right now we we talk about how society is is sliding towards progressivism and all that kind of stuff. So we're so we're real, real excited about. So I'm a liberal. I'm a progressive. I'm excited. I like the direction it's going. I'm just going to say this candidly, but if you got an ounce of logic, you know that how this is going to play out is not going to be good. I mean, you just got to you got to you got to apply your knowledge of history and apply it uh, within the framework of logic. You just know that there's going to be a wall hit at some point, and so you come back a hundred years later. They thaw you out. You're looking around. Quite honestly, they probably are going to unthaw you and throw you into the incinerator because they, they they need to make room for people who are young and energetic and and handsome and beautiful or whatever, you know, because those are the values that kind of are rising to the surface. You know, you have to be productive, you have to be imaginative. I mean, think about this. You come back a hundred years from now, what are you gonna do? You know, work with the computer? You think they're going to use a computer in a hundred years from now, like they use it today? <laughs> I mean, you're going to uh, you're going to be like a luddite. I mean, you know? I think people are just thinking that they would be alive, right? So when yeah. that's all that there is, then you don't really give too much thought into anything else. You just think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be alive. You know, that's yeah. that's it. And when Scripture talks about, it, it says, you know, I've got something better for you. Never again are you going to hunger. You won't thirst. Sun's not going to beat upon you or any scorching heat. I've got all this for you in heaven. And, you know, you want to live like a popsicle for 100 years and come back. And this, well, look at what you're looking at. You know, it's think it through. Is there anything else just from the, the biblical perspective when we think about longevity or just life expectancy in general? Well, Psalm 90, which was uh, one of Moses's. Uh, he wrote the psalm, and uh, he lived a quite long time. But Psalm 90, he says, teach us to number our days in such a way um, that we bring a heart of wisdom, or teach us to number our days aright. And that really, I think, is an important thing here, just to, to recognize that God is the one who knows the number of our days, and um, he's got it all figured out. We, we, we can trust him for that. And so we want to number our own days in a sense of, okay, what's really important? If God gives me a quote unquote extra, you know, 20 years of life, you know, beyond what I expected, beyond what others expected for me, what am I going to do with those? Am, am I going to use those selfishly for my own ends, or am I going to use those for the things that God has given me to do? The same Psalm, he says, we finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives add up to 70 years or 80 years if we are strong. And that's still pretty much the way life is for most people today. Maybe 70, maybe 80. Um, we, we generally don't go out on top. We, we go out weaker. We go out, uh, uh, older, you know, and such. And 
that's fine. <laughs> um, God's got a plan. He's using us however he, it is that he's using us. But uh, just to, to recognize that, that, that life changes and uh, God's got it all figured out for us and uh, we trust him. At the heart, we oftentimes do things in fear. And I've said it before, you learn to conquer fear, conquer death in terms of not being afraid of death. And you won't be afraid of anything else. And that's kind of, that should be the goal, you know. And in other words, maybe instead of, you know, focusing so much on longevity, you know, address the things that you're afraid of and then recognize that you have nothing to fear. So as people start hearing information and research starts coming out, what would your advice just be to Christians um, as they hear these things coming about? Well, I would I would say kind of echo a little bit what Jeff was saying. Focus on what you're doing with the life you have, and don't become preoccupied with the extension of life. I mean, I'm happy anytime we find a cure, anytime we find a solution to a malady, and if it raises the average lifespan from in the middle seventies, gets it back up into the eighties or something like that. Hey, I'm glad for that. If you can get up in the nineties, oh, that's fine. But the point is, is that's not our goal. Saint Augustine always talked about you live in two kingdoms, and the kingdom you you long for is is the one that God designed you for, the one for heaven. And so you view yourself as a sojourner or a, a pilgrim in this world, and that you're you're you know, it's the old hymn, you're a stranger here, heaven is your home. And the moment we lose sight of that, uh, we begin to make irrational and unfaithful type decisions. Yeah. As Paul talked about in Philippians, he's facing imprisonment, possibly execution from the authorities. And uh, he says he's torn. On the one hand, he'd really love to go home to heaven to be with Christ because he knows that's that's the best thing. But on the other hand, he knows he still has things to do you know, and people to care for and, to, and such. Um, and in the end, he says, you know, I leave it up to God. He's going to figure it all out. But recognizing that as long as we are on this earth, God has given us things to do, and we'll do the most we can with them, and uh, know that uh, whenever it is God makes the cha- the decision to bring us home, that that's going to be the best. And I, and I love that line in there where he goes, but it's more necessary for you that I remain. Not more necessary for me. It's more necessary for you that I remain. That That sacrificial spirit that he— you know, reflected in Philippians 2, uh, is there even in that conversation. Well, thank you both. I really love the perspective, too, of just thinking not about ourselves, but about others, and even just in terms of the life expectancy um, topic as well. So thank you for that. We thank all of our listeners for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Life Challenges podcast from Christian Life Resources. Please consider subscribing to this podcast, giving us a review wherever you access it, and sharing it with friends. We're sure you have questions on today's topic or other life issues. Our goal is to help you through these tough topics, and we want you to know we're here to help. You can submit your questions as well as comments or suggestions for future episodes at lifechallenges.us or email us at podcast at christianliferesources.com. In addition to the podcasts, we include other valuable information at lifechallenges.us, so be sure to check it out. For more about our parent organization, 
please visit ChristianLifeResources.com. May God give you wisdom, love, strength, and peace in Christ for every life challenge.